Welcome to the Anthro to UX podcast, where you will learn how to break into UX with an anthropology degree. Through conversations with leading anthropologists working in user experience, you will learn firsthand how others made the transition, what they learned along the way, and what they would do differently. We will be discussing what it means to do UX research from a practical perspective and what you need to do to prepare a resume and portfolio. I'm your host, Matt Arts, a business anthropologist specializing in design anthropology and working at the intersection of product management, user experience, and business strategy. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Matt Arts of Anthro to UX. I'm here today with uh, Melissa Krug, uh, who's a qualitative UX researcher at Answer Lab. And we'll be talking today a little bit about her more recent process of transitioning into UX and how she decided you know, that was the right field. And um, so, Melissa, thanks for joining us. Would you mind by starting, you know, just tell everybody a little bit about your anthropological origin story? Sure. Great. Thanks for having me um, also, Matt. And um, yeah, like you said, I'm fairly new to UX, so I can definitely say that there's some imposter syndrome going on right now. I was listening to your podcast um, when I was doing the transition into UX. Um as for my origin story, you know, I was a bookish kind of child and I, I kind of thought about myself as like, someday I'll be a scientist. And I didn't know like what that would mean, but um, that was always my goal. So I kind of, um, I was always interested in languages and cultures, travel. Um, I actually had the opportunity to like volunteer with my grandmother. Um, she volunteered at 10,000 villages in the warehouse. Um and I started going with her when I was just really young and seeing like all the different handicrafts and things from, you know, so I got kind of a sense of like global economics and poverty and cultures there. Um, so that kind of got me thinking about anthropology, but I actually started my undergrad thinking I was going to be a marine geophysicist. <laughs> so it took maybe a semester or two um, and a cultural anthropology class to, um, you know, open my eyes to that anthropology, uh, encompassed all of my interests, you know, and I could be, um, I was able to study, you know, anything that humans were doing or primates even. So, um, just really was all encompassing. It, it let me look at languages and culture. And there was that idea of like, I could travel and just immerse myself in a, in a culture. So that was always really exciting to me. Um, and so, yeah, I was double major in Spanish and anthropology in undergrad. Um, took a couple different career moves after, after undergrad before I did my PhD. And, um, but yeah, I found myself back in anthropology. And you did linguistic anthropology at, for your PhD? Yeah, at Temple University. Yep. Um, yeah, and I studied um, in Peru in I, a fair trade organization. So that was kind of like the thread of uh, come back to fair trade as well. And I um, studied with a fair trade organization based in Lima doing handicraft uh, production there and uh, went around the country. And I was um, working with Quechua speaking artisans there. And so where in that you know PhD process did you discover UX? Um, probably close to the end, actually. Um, so I kind of thought that UX was for, you know, tech people, like people who had maybe always been, um, very involved in, you know, maybe even coding. Like I kind of had all of these 
myths that I bought into about what UX was. And it was intimidating to me, honestly, um, to read a job description or, um, you know, see all these words that I didn't know. So I kind of put UX into, uh, you know, the back of my mind. And I, I was looking originally at nonprofit uh, jobs because of my prior experience. So throughout my PhD, you know, that was really my focus. Um, and thinking, you know, when I was done, I was going to look into nonprofit work and different organizations. Um, so yeah, UX wasn't on my radar until recently. And so did somebody in the program mention it, you know, whether that's another student or faculty, or did you find it just like, you know, when searching for, you know, what am I going to do it as a, for a job as an anthropologist? Right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell my, my uh, graduation story um, to give some context to this uh, circuitous route to finding UX. Um, I was set to defend my dissertation in March of 2020. So I had my plane ticket and my, you know, my hotel booked. Um, so I had to go back to Philadelphia. I live in Denver now. Um, so I was just ready to, to defend in person and the, you know, everything shut down. And so the world changed in March, 2020. And, um, I, was totally blindsided for, of course, by the pandemic, but um, also for, you know, my career moves and just kind of left, okay, well, I have a PhD, uh, now what? <laughs> and, you know, that, that um, the, the careers that I expected to be able to find and, and pursue through with a nonprofit um, kind of search, they were very hard to find. I spent a couple of months um, looking for and nonprofit positions, you know, fully expecting that I'd have to work my way up. So, you know, looking for entry level things. Um, I was able to find a consultancy type of role for um, a nonprofit consulting. So they were doing strategic planning and surveys type of work. And um, so I was writing some grants and doing some kind of monitoring and evaluation work. And um, I was also, you know, within that time period, um, just, it was, you know, a, a scary kind of time. And um, so I was getting part-time work from the consultancy. And then I was doing um, some searches for like maybe publishing or, you know, just really thinking about what did I, what kind of tra transferable skills did I have from my program? Um, and yeah, I found UX, I guess, a kind of, you know, far into the process. Um, about a year into the job search, if, if I'm honest, and I was uh, doing informational interviews throughout. Um, and I just started to see, you know, more UX jobs popping up on the job boards, like, oh, they are hiring, you know, and, and um, it was more kind of consistent across the, the job descriptions. So uh, for, for nonprofit roles, uh, they all had different titles and things like that. So um, I was kind of able to see like, oh, okay, these, you know, they might be new kind of terms to me at that point, but uh, I was able to, you know, see the consistency over them. So, uh, um, you know, as, as more people uh, talk to me about UX and I, I found that community um, seemed like, 
oh, my skills could be useful there, you know, and, um, and it wouldn't, you know, it's not too techy or like there's not coding involved, things like that. So, um, that helped to, to broaden my understanding and, um, yeah, eventually started, you know, interviewing for UX roles and things <laughs> once, once I found UX and, um, learned how to, position those skills in, in a resume, uh, and talk about them in the UX kind of lingo, um, and business forward, uh, talk it, um, you know, things moved, moved much quicker than as far as finding the job. So let's, let's dig into that a bit. So you, you mentioned a few things there, you know, earlier in that response, you mentioned transferable skills, and then you mentioned sort of towards the end, you know, in my words, not yours, reframing it. And so, um, you know, when you were thinking about transferable skills, even before you were thinking about how to best present them on a resume for a UX role, what kind of skills did you identify, you know, in your head or on paper that you thought were very transferable? Yeah, well, um, anthropology, you know, allows you so many, so many ways. Um, first, you know, if you are talking kind of the nitty gritty of, of an interview, Right. We know how to phrase a question and, and, and build rapport so that your, you know, participants, um, feel comfortable and, you know, um, to avoid bias and to, um, just, you know, phrase, phrase a question to, you know, what kind of, context is going to come up and you know the kind of uh, response that might happen and also and the other, on the flip side of things um you know how things might broaden out that you weren't expecting i think anthropologists have that sense of of where it might lead um and how to limit that as well um there's also a sense of being able to jump from um a small scale to a big picture. Anthropologists have that holistic view and you're, you know, if you see a product develop over time, um, you're able to get that kind of context and, and understand the, the user, um, personas and, and things like that, the context of their life. So, you know, I really like to ask questions about, um, you know, how does this product fit into your, into your overall life? Um, because no product is in a, in a bubble. And so that gives you the sense of, of where it might, where it might, you know, a broader sense from maybe other people's viewpoints of what a product would do for people. Um, and, you know, time management, project management, uh, client management or stakeholder management, as far as, you know, people, people skills, your soft skills are, are very important in, at least, you know, I work in a consultancy, so that's a, um, but, you know, if you worked in-house as well, you would have to interpret people's needs, um, share out the findings in a way that everyone there can be, um, can access that information in, in similar ways and do what they need from there. So you have a lot of skills and um, I would even say, you know, um, anthropologists live in that space of uncertainty and, um, you know, you, you are used to throwing yourself into a new context where you're not the expert and asking questions where, um, you know, you might feel 
like you should know the answer um, or people will look at you like, uh, why don't you know this answer? Um, and that's, that's a good thing to get used to um, in UX or probably any field where, especially where you're new, um, you can, you know that you have to ask questions and uh, it's okay to be a novice um, and to just, you know, and to, it also helps to build empathy with your participants because you know that they're the experts, same as in anthropology. So lots of good skills to bring over. For sure. Now, uh, I completely agree with you on all that, but something like you know, holism, which maybe you use the word because of the conversation that we're having today, but a word like that certainly needs to be reframed for a resume. So did you, you know, what was your process like to learn how to reframe, you know, this traditional sort of anthropological schooling and, and language uh, to, you know, what what ultimately worked for you to get into Answer Lab? Yeah, um, I watched a lot of like YouTube videos and, um, you know, thinking about how to like deconstruct a job description. Um, and so I mapped out or I made lists of like what I have done previously and uh, looked at the job descriptions and really tried to analyze, you know, linguistic anthropology. I just took that approach to uh, did the job description and, you know, what, what might this mean in, in my um, history? Um, how can I apply whatever I did and then um, phrase it in, in those words that they were using? Um, so something like, um, you know, in-depth interviews. Well, I did, you know, ethnographic interviews, semi-structured interviews. And so those are, you know, comparable, similar. And uh, so I phrased it that way. Um, there were certainly um, new, new terms and things. So you have to, you know, build that knowledge. Also, I did a lot of YouTubing uh, that way and um, informational interviews. Um, but yeah, the, the basics you have and uh, from anthropology. And so as a new researcher without that background, um, you know, I'm curious just to hear, how did it go as you first stepped into the role? Um, you know, it was, it's very fast paced. That's a, a difference from anthropology and certainly from a PhD program. Um, it's much more independent. Well, I'm not sure if it's more independent or just kind of in a different way. So you have, you know, your PhD advisor who can always read something or give you advice. Um, you can share with your peers and, um, there's definitely a lot of sharing at Answer Lab and lots of, um, you know, the ability to ask questions, but the speed is different. So um, to get someone to bounce ideas around, um, it's just kind of, you know, taking into consideration their timing and your timing. Um, and so I was the only, you know, I'm the only researcher on projects with um, different client teams. So they, um, you know, expected uh, expertise and right away and you know just uh, we were I was ready to you know jump in but the the ability to ask questions uh, with a walkthrough um, to be ready to just um, take in and you know every client team has their way of talking about their products and um, and different strategies so to be able to quickly kind of 
take in that information and know what questions to ask. Um, took some took some time. I would say that would be the uh, most challenging element to know that you can ask questions and that that indicates um, that you're you know you be close listening. You, your questions are are a great thing actually. And um, to just have that kind of back and forth and bounce around, you are the expert, but you don't have to know everything. That's, you know, that's not the same. So um, it was, uh, I think, yeah, as far as the timing and, and just trust, uh, trust your skills were two of the major uh, challenges at the beginning. And, you know, in terms of skills, so you mentioned in-depth interviews, have you had to self-train or kind of learn any new skills in particular? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was um, doing some background kind of support on a diary study. And uh, there's been, you know, journey mapping and jobs to be done that I've um, taken some initiative to to learn more on my own. And of course, you know, Answer Lab has many resources and, and other people to ask questions. So um, we have that great kind of culture. And um, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say that, uh, that I did, you know, feel comfortable or anything like that there that, um, but you can, you know, learn more as, as you go. And that's actually really, um, a strength of, of my, you know, organization. And I think a lot of places will be very open to, um, a scrappy kind of researcher who really likes to learn, you know, new methods and, um, you know, recognizing that you don't have to know everything at the very beginning too is is uh, helpful in the job search. In linguistic anthropology, you mentioned how when looking at job descriptions, you were sort of using that mindset or that, that those skills to sort of break down the description. But has that come into play much for you, you know, within the role itself? Somewhat. Um, I, you know, it does take a long time to really dig into little bits of language. So I can't do too much in my current role. And, um, but there have been some language focused projects that I felt really comfortable and excited about. Um, you know, the, or phrasing of questions. I always bring that kind of lens to my, um, research plans to think about. Um, you know, the phrasing of a question and, and how to get, um, to, to what we need. Um, but also kind of limiting, you know, the scope of the question and, and help the participant understand what, what you need from there. And, um, I'm trying to think if I've brought in a lot of those other language skills, definitely, you know, we do, look at sometimes look at each other's work and help each other phrase things. So, um, as a, um, you know, in an editing type of situation, I've, I've worked with that, but, um, yeah, when a language focused project comes up, I'm definitely always excited. It's cool. And so you mentioned, you know, research plan. So in your experience thus far, how does the research plan look different, you know, in industry versus in academia? Ooh, well, it's shorter <laughs> to the point. Um, yeah, we, we talk a little bit about the methods and, um, you know, which is like three bullet points, you know, type of thing, a couple bullet points and where we write in uh, what type of 
you know, criteria are involved with the screeners and uh, what kind of participants they're looking for. Um, but the research plan has a couple of, um, you know, objectives that the team is looking for and their main uh, research questions. And then um, as far as, you know, what, what our structure is, uh, we go into the script portion of that, which is you know kind of a guide, of course, and we don't ask necessarily every single question, but it gives this sense of, um, I mean, I see it as kind of a, I don't want to say contract, but like a way to demonstrate to the to the clients that we also, you know, us as moderators know kind of the breadth of what we are expected to be looking at. You know, it's kind of a, even before you get into participants, um, the, the research plan is a way to, to align on goals and, um, you know, share that you uh, recognize their goals and the product you see the, um, you see what they're, what they're getting at. So it's, um, you know, maybe not every question gets asked, but they're, you know, you, um, you have that there as a, as a guide. Now you, you mentioned aligning there with the client, which is pretty different than, you know, in academia, right? There's, unless you're an implied project, you know, presumably, or in many cases, I guess there, you could make the argument there's not so much a client, maybe a grant funder or something of that nature. Maybe you could stick in there. But um, what was that process like, learning to align with them? You know, like how is that? How how has that been different from academic research for you? And what do you have to learn around that? Mm. Well, I guess it does have you know connections to applied anthropology or participant designed um, anthropology. And I, you know, in my role with um, a handicraft organization, I definitely asked for what, what can I do for, you know, for you, what kind of information do you want? So, um, with artisans and, you know, how can I help to, um, you know, fill in any gaps of, of information that they also wanted, you know, to make sure that my time there was, um, really helpful for them as well as myself. And so that gave me a good, kind of starting point to work with clients. And uh, so I was working with the organization as well as artisans, you know, what, what do you want to share? So, you know, when you're wanting to share your participants stories and, and um, you know, what, what kind of challenges that they have in their lives uh, in anthropology, uh, same as when you are working with your clients, you want to just, you know, it's that deep listening and, uh, and, asking enough questions to feel like you can really understand their, their needs. Um, you know, I like to think about what's, what's the goals that might not be explicitly even known or goals that uh, would come down the line. Um, you know, what, what is kind of in the background that, uh, that they're not necessarily asking, for at this point, but they might be kind of thinking about and uh, trying to uh, think about that for clients as well and, and get as much, you know, as much um, insight as, as we can. And so, um, you know, I'd be curious also to, to maybe pivot here and talk about, you know, your 
suggestions to others, given how recent this has been for you. And so, you know, if there's any, maybe one thing or, or a few things that really stand out that you would like to do different, you know, or would have done different if you, you know, if you could do it over again, anything like that jump out? I mean, for me, it was, um, I wasn't sure that UX was, uh, was the way to go. So certainly I would start early. I would recommend to start early in thinking about where, which direction you want to go in the job search um, before you're done with school. You know, I was very focused on writing the dissertation and thinking, oh, okay, well, I can deal with that later. Um, but, you know, a pandemic might happen and you, <laughs> you can never uh, know what, what kind of obstacles will, will come your way. So, yeah, pre- preparing early and thinking about all the, the options and where your skills will fit. And uh, that's, that's the, you know, definitely top of mind for me uh, because I did take kind of a circuitous route into UX and yeah, question your assumptions about what you think a, a role entails and, um, you know, talk to people, talk to people who are doing, uh, doing that, you know, use your alumni networks and um, any, you know, LinkedIn as well, or any kind of um, conferences and, and just talk to people. People in UX are very nice, you know, they want to talk. So um, they, they want others to succeed. And especially I think fellow anthropologists recognize that we haven't heard a whole lot about non-academic positions to go into after anthropology. And that's where most of us do end up. So uh, it's important to have those conversations. Did you try to put together a portfolio? You know, were you concerned about that? I had read that a portfolio may or may not be important for a researcher. And so I made one just kind of, I did a heuristic evaluation um, on a website and I made kind of an auto ethnographic or like auto diary study for, for myself. Um, and so it was, you know, very low level and, uh, you know, scrappy type of something that I could have perhaps if anyone wanted to look. And I did share it on to, um, res- um, sorry, resume. It, it was on my resume, um, in, in my applications and, uh, but I don't think anyone required it for the uh, applications I was doing. Uh, and a lot of them have homeworks, which I actually really loved. Um, it does take time, for in your application process, if some, you know, find that taxing, but for me, it was, uh, if you, you know, get nervous in an interview, or if you forget to say something, um, your, your homework is a way to put that time into it, um, on your own and you're able to display a skill. It's not about what I can say. I can do. It's about what I can actually do. Um, so I thought that was really valuable in the job search. Yeah, that's a good point, especially for those who might be shy to keep in mind. And what else did you do to kind of get your professional presence in order? You know, obviously we met on LinkedIn and so, you know, anything, any other tips? Yes, yes. LinkedIn and, um, you know, meetups, and they were virtual at that point. Now there, you know, there's a lot of groups that are meeting in person now, and they can be great for networking and very 
chill from what I've found the Denver UX startup um, or meetup. And there, I attended um, startup conferences as well, startup week. So Denver and Boulder, and they give you a sense of, you know, industry speak. And uh, so it's a lot of um, not necessarily only UX, but there are UXers there as well. So I was able to get in the door with um, as a cons- uh, contract kind of role with some people doing UX um, contract work. And um, so I was like subcontractor. And so I was able to do some projects before I was uh, interviewing. And that gave me some things to talk about in interviews and ability to demonstrate the skills um, prior to, you know, not only just my kind of portfolio, but in a real world application. So I definitely recommend uh, conferences, um, any, um, yeah, any meetups, things like that, uh, finding people on LinkedIn to do informational interviews and getting referrals, but um, do recognize, you know, the kind of, um, what I want to say, as far as like the, you know, referrals that there, there are, especially new, new hires have a lot. <laughs> so be patient um, with that and uh, recognize that they have a lot, a lot going on. If it t- takes a while to um, answer back uh, on LinkedIn, because I, as an introvert, you know, I feel like LinkedIn is, is a lot at some points. And, um, but the UX community, you know, is very welcoming and uh, really, uh, there are a lot of ways to find mentors as well. ADP list is comes to mind. And so there's um, great resources out there. Um, so yeah, lots of good podcasts too. So, you know, thanks for sharing those recommendations. Any, you know, anything you'd like to maybe plug any, any topics of interest? Um, so currently at my role, I'm, I'm working in the, inclusive recruiting task force. And so we're working to make our, um, the research, the participants that we interview re- uh, look like and represent the national population. So we, we want to, you know, have all of the census categories, um, look, look the same across our research participants. So that is a, uh, an effort that I'm passionate about. So I would definitely uh, recommend some, uh, you know, those who are anthropologists looking to get into UX, check out the Answer Labs website for inclusive recruiting. Um, they have some resources there. We also have a human-centered work project and lots of great resources to to look into. Uh, very anthropologically kind of uh, focused work that goes on in, in UX. Wonderful. And if anybody wanted to get in touch with you? Ah, yeah, you can find my LinkedIn as I'm just Melissa Krug there. Very good. Well, Melissa, um, congrats on the relatively new role. Um, thanks for coming on. It was nice to talk to you and hear about your sort of experience, you know, recently making that transition. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening to the Anthro to UX podcast. To learn everything you need to break into UX, visit anthrotous.com. There you will find all the podcast episodes and career coaching resources. Please like, share, and subscribe. See you next time.